0: You are now listening to the London International Christian Church podcast. You know, Jesus didn't just die for you, He rose for you. And when you sing like that, that rises the angels in heaven and they get excited that you're excited about Jesus Christ. Hey, listen. We've got all kinds of friends and family and visitors with us today. If you're coming, if you come for the first time, we just want to give you a big old, big, big, big hug, a big word of encouragement. We we love you with the love of the Lord. Uh, I I was encouraged in the fellowship because all the way from Nigeria, uh, I saw Matthew Ali's father, Joshua Ali, right there. He's come to worship with us and. Matthew sends his warm welcome and his warm greetings to the church in Nigeria. Uh, of course, we will be planning Nigeria real soon right here. And all the Nigerians said, okay, uh, you know, I, I love to work out, and so I go to a gym called Fitness First. But we all know you put God first. And yet today, I, I saw a friend of mine in the fellowship who started studying the Bible when we were at the uh, our old place right there, you're at Arlington, uh Uh, worship, uh, the Arlington House where we had worship services there. Uh, His name is Kazim, and Kazim has said, you know what, I work at Fitness First, but now's the time to put God first, and he's here visiting with us today. You know, we've got so many talented individuals, singers, songwriters, and actresses, and all this type of thing in the fellowship, uh, and we all love the Lord over those things, but it's it's, it's my honor today that uh, we have aspiring film director that's visiting with us today. Uh, her name is Anna Snowball. She's sitting right in the front. I have to embarrass her a little bit. She's sitting right next to my wife right here. She may not stand up and all that stuff. Please encourage her. She's here visiting with us. Uh, and my, my, I'm personally fired up about our brother, Stewart, who's brought his lovely wife, Leslie. They've come all the way from Manchester right there to worship with us today. And Stuart has been working for Man United Football Club for about 20 years. Uh, And although Man United, he goes, no, the kingdom's got to be united. I got to get down to London. I'm bringing my lovely wife with me. You guys may like me a little bit more after you meet her. And and so Stuart and Leslie have come all the way down to worship with us today. Thank you so much uh, for being with us. We pray that you feel the love and you're encouraged today. And if you're visiting today uh, on Easter Sunday, Uh, We just tell you, we love you right there. Uh, We love you. Amen? Let's go to God in prayer. Father God, thank you so much that your son died on the cross for us. Thank you so much that you give us a chance to live a resurrected life. Thank you so much that you paid the penalty for all of our sins. Thank you so much that you've given us a new hope, a new dream, a new life. You've given us a new purpose. Thank you that all the pain, the suffering we've gone through in our life, it it has a purpose, Father, because you are a sovereign God. Father, thank you so much for resurrecting dreams in our heart. Thank you for resurrecting the movement once again. Thank you for resurrecting the souls. The brothers and sisters come to be restored and those who who are here worshiping with us today, we thank you for the resurrection. Father, we thank you so much for the word of God. We thank you so much for the Bible that is our guiding light. Father, let our souls be anchored to the word of God and the scriptures, Father. Every word of God is flawless, Father. We know this. Father, we ask your spirit to remove this sinful man in me and use the spirit to motivate your people. Say what you want to say to your people today. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I decided today to give you a gospel message, not an Easter message. But... With it being Easter, I was forced by many to tell a few Easter jokes. And because I, I, I'm a loving disciple and brother, I thought I'd oblige some of the fellowship brothers who inspired me with why the little Easter egg ran acro- was, was afraid to run across the road. You know why the Easter egg was afraid to run across the road, right? He's a little chicken, you know, he's a little chicken. Yeah, uh, hopefully you're not chicken of the word of God this morning. Uh, Now, uh, what kind of music did the Easter Bunny listen to? Well, hip-hop, of course, of course. Hip-hop, right there. Yeah. My wife says she missed that one right there. Hopefully we're ready to hop into the Word of God. Uh, Okay, one more. (laughs) What did the, the, the little bunny want to be when he grew up? Or where want? What did he want to do when he when he grew up? The little bunny. He he wanted to join the hair force. The hair force. Martin Scott told me to tell that one right there. You can throw stones at him. First Corinthians chapter 15. You guys over there. You know this is. A, we're gonna dig into First Corinthians. We've been studying that, for Samuel, but today we just gotta just go back home to a regular old gospel message. And as you look at the book of Corinthians uh you know first corinthians is that great chapter about love right and because it's a great chapter about love we got to take a break here i I want you to look around and look at somebody just say i love you okay 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 see some of the brothers are already saying well i don't really love this brother We'll lie to them until church is over. Repent when you hear the sermon and really love your brother and your, your sister right there, okay? But, but but you know, on, on a serious note, how many of us have heard I love you this week? You know what I mean? Okay, okay, that's awesome. But but truly, some people haven't heard I love you in a long time. Some, some, sometimes... You know, if you're a teenager, you, you feel like you're too cool to say, I love you. You're all right. You know how the teens are. You're all right. Sometimes if you're single, you're only thinking about yourself. You don't think about loving anybody else. Sometimes if you're a husband, you, 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 you forget to look that lovely wife in the eye and say, Honey, I love you. I love you, sweetheart. And sometimes when you're a married wife, sometimes you go, well, he hasn't earned it yet. I ain't telling him till he earns it yet. Z formation right there. We, we've gotta love each other like Jesus loved us. Amen? So then you get to chapter 14 in 1 Corinthians and he's talking about tongues and he's helping them to have the right heart towards it and all this stuff, but then you get to chapter 15. Arguably the most cranking, the most important chapter in the Bible. And you say, why is that? It talks about the resurrection. It talks about the fact that Jesus Christ died for you. That his substitutionary death was the reason you stand here today. That you are saved through Jesus Christ. That he was the man who walked this earth, lived a sinless life, died, and rose again. And that because of that, you can have salvation. Everything in this life matters because it connects to the afterlife if you have faith in Jesus. And so it talks about the resurrection, and so we're going to go there. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 1. Now, brothers and sisters, he says, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you which you received, on which you have taken your stand. You know, sometimes you just need to be reminded of what you already know. They had already made the decision to become disciples, but the scripture says Paul had to come to them and had to remind them of the gospel. The word gospel means good news. He had to remind them that the gospel was good news. It says, by this gospel, in verse 2, you are saved. And the church said, <laughs> It says, if you hold firmly to the word I preach to you, otherwise you believed in vain. See, they, they, they had become disciples, but they weren't holding firm to the word of God. I want to I tell you today, do not let anybody tell you this Bible is not the word of God. Don't let anyone intellectualize it Don't let anyone try to over-explain it. There are things in this Bible I have absolutely no idea what the Lord is talking about right there. The word of God is living and active. It is sharper than a double-edged sword. It penetrates, dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. Every word in this Bible right here is flawless. It is a shield to those who take refuge in him. The Word of God is the Holy Bible. Don't let any scientist steal it from you. Don't let any humanist steal it from you. Don't let any friend tell you there's a Greek word that doesn't say this, say that. This is the Word of God. This is the anchor to your soul. When the world is in free fall, not knowing why, everybody is just going crazy and doing wicked things. Where are the answers? The answers lie in the Word of God. The answers are in the scriptures. There's a scripture to answer every single area of your life. This this Bible talks about the economy. This Bible talks about the government. This Bible talks about every single thing. Every question you have, the Holy Bible answers it. If you will but seek. This is the Bible. This is our roadmap. This is our guide. This is what keeps us in line on that narrow road. Are you with me here, church? Paul had to just come and remind them that, they, they, hey, you, you believed in vain if you're not really connected and anchored to the Holy Bible. And we've, none of us believe in believing in vain. We're not here for man. We're here for the resurrected Jesus Christ. Verse 3. For what I received I passed on to you. As of first importance, that Christ died for our sins. According to scripture. That's powerful right there. He says, Christ died for our sins according to scripture. Jesus wasn't the only one who died on the cross. Many people died on crosses. Jesus died on the cross according to scripture, meaning it was prophesied. People talked about it hundreds of years before they ever knew him. Jesus had distant cousins and relatives that prophesied about him. They didn't even know him, but that prophesied. We'll look at one. And so Jesus died. Resurrected and we are, fought, we are forgiven of our sins because of his death. But it just says Jesus, Jesus died according to scripture. Then he says this in verse 4. That he was buried. That he was raised on the third day according to scripture. He says and that he appeared to Peter and then to the twelve. After that he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers at the same time. Listen, the Bible is not only a uh, prophetic book predicting the future. It's not only, quote, unquote, has scientific information. It talks about the water cycle and all kinds of other things. It's a historic book. Th- th- this is a historic book. Th- this is not a lie. This right here happened. Jesus appeared to over 500 people at the same time. I mean, if you prosecute all 500 of them, that's a lot of that's a lot of hours right there. <laughs> Testimony for and about jesus christ and it says 500 of the brothers at the same time i mean that would be two or three times this room can you imagine jesus goes to every single person all 500 and you're like oh my goodness he is alive i mean can you imagine if elvis came walking on in here we know he's dead but if he came in here oh we would believe in elvis can you imagine if Churchill came in? And he just came in, you know, just kind of hobbling on in. We go, oh, my gosh, Churchill, he's alive. Are we back in World War, you know? <laughs> Hopefully not. But Jesus appeared to over 500 people. This is a historic fact. It says, most of whom are still living. says, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James. That was his brother. <laughs> Jesus goes to his brother who didn't believe in him. He goes, James. James goes, oh, my God, it's you. He goes, uh-huh, it's me. You know what James did? He became a disciple. <laughs> James got, got some faith and became a disciple. It says, then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me also as to one abnormally born. And we know Jesus appeared to Paul because he appeared to Paul at the road to Damascus. Then he took Paul into Galatia, personally discipled him for three years, and Paul had to go through all kinds of tribulation, all kinds of struggles, all kinds of challenges. He had to march all the way up to Mount Sinai. See, you don't get baptized and think that's the end of your struggle. That's the beginning. That's round one. I mean, if you're Manny Pacquiao or Floyd Mayweather, it's, that's round one right there. Who's going to win that fight? Okay, we won't go there. Let's get back focused on Jesus Christ. But, 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 but Paul saw him, one abnormally born. He had to go through things after baptism, after seeing Christ, and he saw him. And then he says this in verse 9. For I am the least of the apostles. Do not even deserve to be called an apostle. I mean, do you feel that way as a Christian? I'm the least of every disciple in the London International. I don't even deserve to be called a Christian. I mean, if you knew the sins, if you knew my thoughts, if you knew how I behaved, if you knew what I said, if you knew these things that go on when no one else is around. And the fact that God said, I don't even deserve to be called a disciple. I don't even deserve that. That was Paul's heart. Right there, and we can imitate that, can we not, church? He says, I'm the least. Don't deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. Anytime you're an enemy and you're not a true, true follower, you're persecuting God. He did it literally, but he says, I persecuted. I fought against the Christians. He says, but by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace to me was not without effect. See, the grace of God can have no effect in some people's lives. I put before you, it is not the love of God that motivates a person to become a Christian. If that was the case, this room would be packed if it was the love of God. If it was the fact that we all, well, God loved us. The love of God, we take God's grace in vain. Yeah, I know God loves me, but is he real? We have the arrogance to even doubt there is a God. That, that's how arrogant a society we've gotten. That's how far out there. It isn't the love of God that motivates us to love God. It's the fear of God. When we fear God, not like this fearful, oh, oh, but just this honor and respect. When we respect God and we fear him, that motivates us to love him. Again, I think of my little, my, my daughter. I have a beautiful little daughter named Mia Grace. And she, she, she is just learning by day, day after day, she's learning something about the kingdom. It's awesome. Last night, she challenged us all to sing, we love you with the love of the Lord. She was sitting in there and she she, she she's hilarious too because when she gets ready to get in trouble, you know, she all of a sudden comes up with some spiritual thing to do. You know, so she, she did something bad. We love you with the love of. You know, my heart melts, and you know, I just go like this. And Mama catches it. Mama doesn't put up with it. But little Mia understands. When when, when you do something bad, you're gonna get a pow pow. It's a pow pow, that's what she calls it. Pow, pow. I say, yeah, pow, pow. I mean, look, like that. And if it hurts, that's the demons coming out. Those are demons right there. That's, what that's not daddy. Those are demons right there coming on out right there. Pow, pow. I, I, she, full, she has no idea how much I love her. She doesn't understand it. But she does understand right and wrong, obedience and disobedience. And she understands that if, if she does something bad, there, there's an honor, respect. There's a fear. And over the course of her life, she's going to go, wow, my dad really loved me. He protected me. He protected me from myself. It is the fear of God that leads to the love of God. We'll talk about that a little bit more later on. You guys still with me here? Yeah. He says the grace of God was not without effect. What did the grace of God do? He says, no, I worked harder than all of them. Yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. What inspires hard work in a Christian? The grace of God. Why does a Christian work very hard. It is the grace of God. I don't know if you saw the mercy announcement this morning that our sister Kia put together with Michael Ochoa who serves as mercy director right there. It was pretty amazing. It highlights a lot of the mercy projects that we've done. Please read it. I want to thank Kia and Michael for that newsletter that went out. It was awesome. I want to thank our sister Jen Watkin who's working she's just done an incredible job getting a head start on the European missions conference right there we've already got people registered for the European missions conference and that's been the hard work of Jen I want to thank the ushers who come to you know they, they, they set things on up and all the mess that you leave behind and forget about the ushers pick that on up and they don't complain about it Michael Cash and Victor Como and all of them they're hard working the Lord uh, I'm gonna to try to avoid those carbs in the back but I'm gonna I thank everybody who set up the table with the, with the, the cookies and the snacks and the, uh, j- j- just... Renata, where's where our sister Renata? Where, where is she? She's somewhere serving somewhere. Right. Hey man, there she is, she's hiding, there she is. It's the grace of God that motivates us to work hard. And it's a lack of appreciation for the grace of God that does not. And he just simply says, verse 11, Whether then it was I or they, this is what we preach, and this is what you believe. And the church said, we believe Jesus Christ died. We believe he rose again. You look at the Old Testament and you look at scriptures like Isaiah chapter 53. These are the scriptures. He says he died according to scripture. These scriptures like Isaiah 53 and Leviticus chapter 16 that highlight the resurrection, that talk about the resurrection. The fact that Jesus died for our sins in our place, substitutionary death. And for that and because of that, we can be saved today. Uh, In fact, if you look at the Old Testament, specifically Leviticus chapter 16, The whole sacrificial uh, system was set up as a foreshadowing of Jesus Christ to come. There are many shadows in the Old Testament of the Jesus that we see in the New Testament. A shadow is not the complete thing. It is just a shadow. But when you get to the New Testament, you see Jesus Christ. You see the real deal. And Paul has to come back and remind them of the gospel that Jesus rose from the dead and that he is the real deal. Now. Our first point is very simple. I want to remind you. The gospel is the good news. I, I want to remind you this morning that the gospel is good news. Amen. It's not for a lot of people that, that, that don't see God. But for the individual that sees God and knows that he died in place of your sins, the gospel is good news. According to this, this verse here, you look at the verse, first couple of verses in chapter 15, there's about three aspects to it. Number one, he died for your sins according to scripture. Look at Psalms chapter 16. You guys stay with me? Psalms chapter 16. In verse 8. Look at this one. I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest secure because you will not abandon me to the grave. Nor will you let your Holy One see decay. That's talking about Jesus Christ. You have made known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence with eternal pleasures at your right hand. Turn to Acts chapter 2. We know Jesus' body did not decay. Look what Peter says, referencing the Psalms in Acts chapter 2. In verse 24. Peter's preaching about the resurrection, and he's telling everyone that Jesus died for their sins. And then he says this. In verse 24, he says, but God raised him from the dead. Freeing him from agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. David said about him. See, Peter starts accrediting the Psalms to to David, who was distant relative of Jesus Christ. And this is a psalm: I saw the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. The very verse we just read. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will live in hope because you will not abandon me to the grave nor will you let your Holy One see decay. You have made known to me the path of life. You fill me with joy in your presence. Jesus died according to scripture. It was foretold hundreds of years before he walked this earth that it would happen and it happened. Amen? The other aspect is that he suffered in your place. He suffered in your place. Jesus Jesus suffered in your place. We all, all, everyone in this room uh, commits sins. We all commit sins. Can I get an amen on that one? Okay. Even Michelle Petit, who's super awesome right there. I mean, she's got, I mean, Michelle's the most humble. I mean, she, she's incredible. It may challenge her faith to go, yep, even Michelle Petit, yep, she's got a little petite sin right there. It may not be big, but it may be just like her name, but Petite. A little little, 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 little little small sin. Even Anita, Anita Vermont, she, she is so incredibly God focused. such incredible humility about her. Just an incredible amount of faith just to move all the way. Her family is in Amsterdam, and they are aging. And she says, you know what? God has called me to come to London to be a part of his kingdom. And she's come here, but even Anita has a little little, little bit of sin right there. Just a little bit. Even Anita. Isn't it awesome to know that Jesus died in place of your sins? That every sin you've done... Every sin you've done can be forgiven through Jesus. You know how many people, guilted out by their sins, do wicked things? You know how many people, guilted out by things that they've done that they don't, they don't believe they can tell anybody openly? And they, do, and they get depressed, they get down? Let me tell you something. There were so many dark sins that I was involved in before I realized Jesus Christ rose for me. Pornography. Unfaithful. Was not faithful to. My wife is the first woman that's ever, I've ever been faithful to in my life. Thank God we, we're going strong right there. We got got a decade under our belt right there. The Lord is with me, giving me an amazing woman of God. But you can be forgiven of your sins. You can be forgiven of your sins. How many people are depressed because they're in sin? How many people are sad because they're not doing what is right? Genesis chapter 4 says, if you do what is right, will you not be accepted? See, depression is not just a medical thing where you just got depressed. No, you can sin and it can lead to depression. I'm not talking about individuals that have a medical depression and they have some challenges there and there's a medical issue. I'm talking about somebody who has a spiritual issue that leads to that medical issue. Are you with me here, church? It's amazing to know that Jesus died in our substitute. The third thing that's awesome is that God saves you from going to hell. Isn't that cool? It's like, wow, I am not going to hell. That's such an unpopular term. You even have Christians, don't talk about hell. I mean, it's too much. No, it's not. It's better to be offended now than on judgment day. It's better to be motivated to go, wow, am I going to heaven or am I going to hell? And to know that when you get baptized, you you, you are on your way to heaven. You you are on the right path. You are a Christian. Your sins are forgiven. This is the gospel message right here. This isn't the Easter message. This is the gospel message. If you're with, we don't need to change the name. Like, this is the gospel message we're talking about this morning, that God saves us from hell. I want to put a little fear in you. You are one heartbeat away from heaven or hell right this moment. One heartbeat away. We have a brother that got baptized in Los Angeles, California. Uh, He became a sold-out disciple, 27 years old. Uh, realized his sins, put Jesus on the cross, he got baptized for the forgiveness of his sins. He went into the hospital. Healthy young man, never any history of anything wrong, no, no, no problems, and the doctor says, there's some challenges with your, your heartbeat. It looks like it's performing at about 90%. That was a shock. I mean, he's healthy. Whoa. Well. Doc says, I want to see you next week. Next week, 80%. Doc says, I want to see you in a few days. few days, 40%. Doc says, I want to see, see you next week. 20%. The brother sat down with him. Corey Blackwell is going to be leading a mission team to the Middle East. Former world sector leader in our former fellowship, world sector leader in this, this fellowship right here because of the gospel message. Sat down with him, and let me tell you, this is a preacher who fears God more than man. He goes, brother, I know you're a brother, you're a disciple. I love you, but I, I've got to ask you. You got anything you need to be open about sin-wise? Talk about a tough talk. Talk about a challenge. And the brother goes, you know, there there are a few things. So he gets open about a few transgressions, a few sins, some iniquity that was stealing his heart. And and he confesses, nothing major. And and then he gets open. Anything else? And they go, no. They have a prayer. And then Corey has to talk with him. Says, you know you're dying, don't you? And they cry. Because that's what we do in the kingdom. Tears aren't for the women, tears aren't for the babies, tears are for disciples. And every single tear, every single tear they cried, just understanding that he was gonna die, that they knew something was awesome about the death, is that he was on his way to heaven. And you say, well, what happened to the brother? He died. Just a few weeks ago, he died. But see, he will be resurrected. He's on his way to heaven. He, he, he died. He's going to a better place where there's no council tax, no tube line distractions, no problems bumping into be- each other when you get down to pearly gates right there where people say, I want to get to the pearly gates before you. None of that. He's going to heaven. This is awesome. This is the good news. But you got to understand the bad news before you appreciate the good news. Are you with me here? I, I'm fired up at what the gospel has done here in London. I'm excited. Just in the last, just this year, uh, Teddy, the Eretrian eunuch right there. There he is. Teddy got baptized this year. Teddy studied the Bible with our brother, Laurie Vauer, who's going to be planting the church in Sweden. And Laurie studied with him, helped him become a disciple, and took off. And, 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 and Teddy's still fired up. Just like the Ethiopian eunuch who, who Philip baptized him and then took off, and the guy was still excited. Teddy's still excited about the gospel message right there in his life. Contrary to what the world teaches, is that you are born gay, um, and I always say, well, if you are born gay, you can be born again. Okay, we just get rid of that argument right away. I was born this way. Good, you can be born again. Okay, you need to be born again. But our sister Lauren, and, and I often asked if I could share this, and with, with with you know, see a person who's totally fears God, doesn't care. She goes, absolutely, bro, share share my life. And she was living homosexual background. And th- that's where Satan had taken her, and that's what's fashionable nowadays. I mean, you even go into school, you see posters saying "gay, get over it." Yeah. yeah, that's. I believe in gay marriage. Me and my wife are happily married. That's what I believe. Yeah, we're we're family. I just I just gotta we just gotta lay it out. Um, and every sin is bad in the eyes of God. Cheating, adultery, stealing th- these aren't. It doesn't make it. Homosexuality is like some word, it, it's, it's a sin, just like everything else. It's a sin, it's wrong. It's wrong to cheat on your wife, it's wrong to cheat, it's wrong to, it, to steal. All sin is bad, sin is bad because it's bad. Yes. Are you with me here? Yes. So I'm not trying to offend, I have people in my family, my physical family that have this background and Satan has stolen their faith, but Lauren, with the gospel message, she says, you know, this is the wrong way of living, and just weeks ago, she got baptized. She's your sister today. <laughs> I love our Hungarian brother Richard Franco. Uh, he studies the Bible. <laughs> and Richard really, he's on his way. He's going, I'm going back to Hungary. And the brothers go, No, 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 you got to be hungry for the word of God. And he goes, Yeah, I've been running from God for a long time. And let me explain something about running from God. You cannot run from God. The book of Jonah is not about Jonah running from God. Because God is omnipotent, God is omnipresent. God is. He's all-powerful. He's all-knowing. He's everywhere. You can't run from God. Jonah didn't run from God. He ran from God's will. See, you can run from the will of God. You can leave this Sunday and go, oh, that preacher, that crazy American guy, oh, no, I'm out of here. But you cannot run from God. He created you. And be fired up. He created you in his image. He didn't create the sun in his image. The Bible doesn't say he created the trees in his image. The evolutionists will tell you that. They'll tell you that you, you came from slime. God says, no, you have been redeemed from the pit of slime. <laughs> the evolutionists says, no, you, came, you, you were a monkey, and now you're a man. That goes against the, the second law of thermodynamics that teaches that order leads to disorder. You, you can't evolve into something greater. You can't break up a cell phone into little small bits and pieces, and it's going to put itself back together, send a text to you saying, how come you didn't come to church today at 10 o'clock on Easter Sunday over the course of time? It just evolves into a phone. Let us not ask Apple how the phone was created, because it doesn't, there, we don't believe in Apple, but we believe in phone, and let the phone tell Apple how it was created and what it was used for. Let man tell God what it was used for. Yeah. Are, are you with me here? Yeah. This is the thinking that's in the world that attacks your Christian faith right here. Yeah. And, and, and Richard, going back to Richard, sorry guys, I'm a preacher. <laughs> Richard stays in London, becomes a sold out <laughs> disciple. I'm fired up about our brother from Lithuania uh, who had no faith in God. Our other brother, Richard, where's Richard? The other Richard, there he is. He had no faith in God. But studies that Jesus died for his sins, understands that Jesus was put in place for his sins. He gets baptized right there. His sister is having a positive view about the church right now. He's your brother today, former atheist, now sold-out disciple. Just baptized a few weeks ago. I love our Nigerian prince, Tulani. Tulani's Where's Tulani at? He's, there he is. He's over there in the corner. Uh, UCL master student, humble guy. Just, a, just an encouragement right there. He's got one of those Victor Como kind of smiles where you see every tooth. Yeah, kind guy, you? I'm like, oh, see, see, you're all those teeth right there. Uh, <laughs> UCL is one of the top universities in, in the world. And the brothers asked him, Tulani, because of the gospel message, would you be willing to give up your, your, your university education if it meant Jesus or UCL? He says, Jesus Christ. Yeah. And he got baptized a few weeks ago. He's your brother today. <laughs> Aren't you excited to see Ashley and up here singing out to you again? That's because you can't run from the gospel message right there. Ashley ran, but he goes, where am I running to? (laughs) I'm coming. I'm going back home. I'm hungry. I got to come back home. And he got restored last week right there. Uh, And then, of course, today, Helio being restored today because of the gospel message. See, you've got to be reminded of the gospel message and the good news. It is good news. When you see people responding to the grace of God and being baptized, restored, moving all the way across country, coming back to be with God's family. And the church said, number two, people who believe in the resurrection live like it. People who believe in the resurrection live like it. Turn to Psalm chapter 36. I can tell what you believe by how you live. God can tell what you believe by how you live. Your life says everything about your doctrine. Your doctrine says everything about your life. In Psalms chapter 36, a verse that's very, very powerful. Because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what we say verbally. It only matters really what we're willing to do and how we're living. I want to encourage you. If you've come today, th- th- this, is, this is a big deal. You, you've really said something to God. You've told God you, you want to hear his plan. You, 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 want to, you, you believe in him. By your deeds, you show that you are open to the gospel message. I know someone may invite you. Oh, I'm just coming for no No, 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 no. If you're here today, it's because of the gospel. And I want to encourage you as a disciple That what you believe is how you live. What you believe is how you live. And I want to ask a question. Do do you really believe in the resurrection? As Paul pointed out to them, do you really believe in the resurrection? Do you really believe you're going to be held accountable for every single careless word that you say? Do you really believe that you're going to be held accountable by the almighty God for everything you think? Do you really believe in the resurrection, that there will be accountability? Accountability is for everyone. It's not just for the Christians. The Bible teaches that all knees will bow. And be held accountable in the eyes of God. See, I'm I'm convinced the world does not believe in the resurrection. I'm I'm convinced. I'm I'm convinced the world does not believe that Jesus rose from the dead. Because if they did, they'd get rid of all the psychology and all these issues. And this person hurt me and this person I'm bitter about. You'd stop all of that if you believed there was judgment to come. You you would not be pontificating and going here and, and thinking about it and all this. You'd get saved immediately you get right with God immediately if you really believe Jesus Christ rose from the dead for your sins. I, I don't believe the world believes in the resurrection. There's one, one reason. There's several in the Bible, but there's one I see in society here and all over the world as to the reason people do not believe. And it's, you find in Psalms chapter 36. Verse 1. An oracle is within my heart concerning the sinfulness of the wicked. There is no fear of God before his eyes. Well, why wouldn't someone fear God? Let's keep reading. For in his own eyes, he flatters himself too much to detect or hate his own sin. The words of his mouth are wicked and deceitful. He has ceased to be wise to do good. Even on his bed, he plots evil. He commits himself to a sinful course and does not reject what he is wrong I believe it is the fear of God that this world does not have we're fa- afraid of everything else we're afraid of everything else we're afraid of church church I don't know yeah. church yeah. so many churches out there that aren't well I mean you you're not afraid of food you've gone to a restaurant it's terrible you don't go I don't believe in eating anymore <laughs> I don't know you don't do that with food you don't do that with other things but we do that with church We do. There, we, we can flatter ourselves too much. I, I think this scripture describes me. It describes how I lived before as a Christian. I just would pump myself up and rationalize all my sin because I, ha- I didn't fear God. I didn't think I'd get in trouble. I didn't think there was judgment. I didn't think Jesus really rose. I, I, I thought it mentally, but I didn't really know that Jesus died. And there's going to be a day, Michael, you're going to be called to account. The fear of God has been dismantled in the world. The fear of God has been dismantled in the heart of even Christians. It is the fear of God right here that will stop you from sinning. Exodus chapter 20, verse 20, it says, the fear of God stops you. It doesn't say the love of God stops you from sinning. The fear of, I mean, even at your work, it happens that way. You fear coming in late. You know how I love my boss, I'm coming in. No, you fear judgment. If I don't come to work, I'm fired. And then I'm at the job center with everybody else, stressed out, smoking cigarettes, and wondering if, if I'm going to get a job. You fear that university teacher not giving you that passing grade. Because you know, now you've got to talk to your parents back home somewhere, and then, whoo boy, you're going to get in trouble. We fear all the time. Fear, fear is a, a good thing, it, it can motivate you, but the problem is, we just don't fear God. We gotta fear God. That's who we gotta fear. We can't fear man. I think racism is because man. Man focus. Uh oh, I've not had a relationship with someone. We can even go. Uh oh, people from Pakistan, India. Look at what the media. Ooh, I don't know if I want to. And we fear man. We gotta fear God. We gotta save people. We can't be afraid of people. We gotta be fe- fear of God. Psalms 55. You guys still with me? <laughs> Psalm 55. Look at this one says this here in verse 19. God who is enthroned forever will hear them and afflict them. Men who never change their ways and have no fear of God. Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3. Look at this one here. This is written to the church in Europe. Amen. Romans chapter 3, this one dismantles the whole, the whole thinking of why all the, you know, why, why does all the bad things happen to all the good people? I mean, we're so amazing. I mean, society, we're so incredible. We're such good people. I mean, all the Americans, they're so good. I mean, they're so incredible. I mean, they're American. And oh, whew, the English, the English are amazing. Such loving, positive, non-critical people. Skepticism, huh, not in the English vocabulary. Oh, and the humility of the Nigerians. The most humble people in the face of this earth. Oh, my goodness. And don't get me started on the, on the, on the Dutch. Oh, I mean, these people don't put up with any sin. I mean, I know they were called Toleration Nation back in World War II, but they don't tolerate everything. Now, not the Dutch, no. And Irish, oh, the Irish. The most loving people in the world. I mean, they can't love each other. I mean, the Northern Ireland can't love the southern part of Ireland, but they, oh, they're so loving. We're so good. We're so awesome. We're good people. We're amazing. We're fabulous. There are churches that'll tell you that. You're amazing. You Play a band, get a band do a band for you, play some songs, and wow, whoo, you have an Easter service. <laughs> but we're here, we want a gospel, Amen. okay? We want gospel service here, out of the scriptures. We, we are, let, let me, the Bible teaches that none of us are good. I know that may step on toes, but it's, it's okay. We can do good deeds in the Lord. But inerrant of yourself, you are not good. We are all sinful. We all need God. That, 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 that's awesome because that means the playing ground is level. That, that means there's no, no one's better than anybody. That means we're in this together. That means it's not, it's not man united, it's kingdom united. That means, hey, and look at the scriptures. It teaches it. Look at Romans 3. Look at this in verse 10. As it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. There's no one who understands, no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have, together, become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. Their throats are open graves; Their tongues practice deceit. The poison of vipers is on their lips. Their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Ruin and misery mark their ways. And the ways of peace they do not know. There is no fear of God before their eyes. It's the fear of God, guys. Back to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. It's the fear of God that stops people from living a resurrected life or for for having a life that represents that you believe in a resurrection. It's a lack of fear of God. That's the thing that Satan has really gotten people away from talking about. And he stopped people. Everyone wants to talk. Is there a God? Is there a God? No. Is there sin? Is there a devil? Is there Satan? Absolutely. Right? And no one debates, is there sin? I've never seen it. I don't believe in. I mean, well, sadly, some people actually do. They don't believe in sin nowadays. There's, there, there, there are things that are wrong, but the issue is the fear of God. And I want to persuade you this morning, remind you, the pillar of your Christian faith centers in on the resurrection. Centers in on nobody can say anything about that. No one can say anything about Jesus rising from the dead. That, that's a miracle that he rose from the dead, that he died and rose again and appeared to people. And they saw him and they went, I mean, that, I don't know if I could take that. I would be overwhelmed. You know, and then you look at the Christians. They died because they saw him. You don't die for a lie. Yep. Do you realize Jesus only traveled about 100 miles around in the area of, of where he preached? And his message has been preached in every corner of the of People believe in him. Even to this day, people believe in him. You don't die for a lie. You don't die for a lie. Jesus is real. The pillar of your faith is the resurrection. The resurrection refutes the Muslim faith. The resurrection refutes Buddha. The resurrection reflu- refutes the Mormon faith. You know what the Mormons teach? They teach that Jesus, uh, Jesus and Satan are brothers. Uh, they, they, they teach that you can become a god. Um, all these kinds of false teachings right here. And the resurrection refutes Mormonism. The resurrection refutes the Jehovah's Witness. Because before you can be Jehovah's Witnesses, you got to be Jesus' Witness. The resurrection refutes Catholicism. You don't need to baptize children. Children go to heaven. Children are saved. The Bible teaches baptism is for the forgiveness of your sins in the book of Romans. Children don't need to be baptized, they're saved. And so that's a false teaching. The resurrection refutes humanism. You cannot humanly explain the fact that Jesus rose from the dead. It refutes it. The resurrection refutes atheism. Because atheism says there is no God, meaning no hope. That means everything you go through in this life when you die, there's really no hope. That's worse. I'd rather believe in a God and believe that someday I'm going to be resurrected with Jesus Christ. I'd rather believe in the gospel message than the atheistic message. Kabbalah, that's what Madonna believes in. Sisters, if you want the young women that you have a relationship with to be like Madonna, then you can believe in Kabbalah, false teaching, the resurrection. Refutes it, Judaism. You know, I, I like to think that God likes all of us. He created all of us. He didn't just create one race of people that He wanted to save. God isn't prejudiced. God doesn't show favoritism. The God of the Old Testament is the same God of the New Testament. The Resurrection refutes Judaism. The Resurrection refutes Seventh Day Adventists. The Resurrection. It's the Resurrection. I got a question for you. Are you resurrected? Are you living a resurrected? Did the scriptures resurrect you today? Did they? No one that Jesus walked around. If you study Him out, that was dead, didn't get resurrected. Everybody that was around Jesus when He walked this earth, they got raised from raised to the dead. That means, and the word the Bible teaches the word of God is, is Jesus. So, right. Jesus didn't let dead people. He, he didn't want you all down around him oh Lord i got to come to church Easter Sunday oh man so when is he going to get are you resurrected we've got to live resurrected lives let's close on out 1st Corinthians chapter 15 a few more things in this chapter here and I want to give you a few challenges this gospel Sunday he says this in verse 12, says, But if it is preached that Christ has not been raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. It's like stopping, again, it's like starting to not believe in the word of God, but you want to go to heaven. Right, You you can't do that, and he he argues against that. He says, more than that, we are then found to be false witnesses about God. For we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead. But if he did not raise him, in fact, the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You're still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost, if only for the life we have hope in Christ. For this life we have hope in Christ. We are to be pitied more than <laughs> all men. But Christ, who has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. Paul right here says, Adam was the first man. He says Jesus is the last man. Adam disobeyed God and brought sin and death into the world. Jesus obeyed God and removes the sins of the world. You want to know why bad things happen in this world? Because we are, we are, we are, we are in a fallen state. The total depravity of man, we, we had follow. When, when, when Jesus, when, when Adam and Eve sinned, what did God say? He says, you're going to die. But they didn't die. They, he, they didn't die, highlighting that God is a God of grace. And people say, well, well, why did God create, why does he create such suffering? Because of the sins that have come into the world. God created a perfect world. He tried that. That wasn't good enough for us. He created the garden. There was no council tax. There was no problems. You didn't have to you didn't have to do anything. And we still sinned against him. And we need Jesus Christ. Now, the question has got to be answered. Or asked, when is Jesus coming back? When is he going to come back? Look at 55 or 51. Listen, I tell you a mystery, we will not all sleep, but we all will be changed in the flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised, imperishable, and we will be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable, the mortal with immortality. When the perishable has been clothed with imperishable, and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin. The power of sin is the law, but thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. And the church said, Amen. Isn't that inspirational? He, he just says Jesus is going to come back in a twinkling of an eye. I want you right now just to twinkle your eye. That's how fast, that's quick. Just, a, just an eye blink in Jesus. <laughs> that kind of scares me a little bit. Inspires me, but scares me. Twinkling of the, last trumpet, twinkling of an eye, Jesus will return. I have a few challenges for you today. I want to challenge you to resurrect your relationship with God. I want to challenge you to resurrect it. I wanna challenge the London International Christian Church not to have one member that says I had a bad time with the Lord. Because in the twinkling of an eye, you can be taken. I give myself the same challenge. I want want you to resurrect your relationship with God. I wanna challenge you. Dig in that Bible. Have your prayer times. Learn something new. I'm trying to read a book a week. Not a book in the Bible, obviously the Bible, but also another book to add to my learning. Resurrect your relationship with God. We've got to resurrect, and and this is huge. We've got to resurrect world evangelism. I want you to completely and totally believe that the world needs to be evangelized with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. I mean if Starbucks coffee can evangelize the world, we can evangelize the world. What does that mean? That means we gotta sacrifice. Part of evangelizing the world is us evangelizing Europe. We gotta get to Sweden. I have full confidence we're gonna blow out our 20 times mission contribution for the Swedish mission team right there, amen? If you're visiting for the first time, we we are trying to continue to raise funds, not only to keep the work going here in London, but also the work all around Europe. We, we, We ask you to help us support putting the gospel all around Europe. Europe needs the gospel. I want you to resurrect the dream of world evangelism. If you are from a different country, you are a seed of hope for that country. Don't get sucked into a lot, what, what I saw in America, which is called the, the American dream. You have people that move there from other countries and when asked if they'd be willing to go back to their country with the gospel message, oh, well, I, I'm in America now, huh? Where we gain weight and have big houses and, well, oh, I don't wanna go back to my country. If you're here today I want to challenge you to embrace the dream to go back to your country with the gospel today, to go. I am a seed of hope for my country. And when called to go and preach the gospel message, I'll go. I may not have had the dream, but I want to resurrect the dream of world evangelism. And lastly, I want to challenge you to resurrect kingdom dreams. To resurrect kingdom, it's awesome to dream about how you can impact the kingdom of God, the church, with your life. Whether that's becoming a business owner, whether that's becoming a, a singer, whether that's be writing a book, we, we've got to have some dreams. We can't just sit here and hear each Sunday and not use the Holy Spirit which is in us to actually try and impact the world. I, I, you, you guys know me, I got all kinds of dreams. I want to do a movie. I want to do a soundtrack. I want to do an album. I want to do all kinds of things that impact the world for Jesus Christ. Resurrect dreams. God's put dreams on your heart. Story of a man. He's dying. He's on his deathbed. And all the ghosts of his dreams come back to him as he's dying. And he's on his bed, and he's getting ready, and the doctor said he's going to take his last breath, and he's, and he's laying there. And the ghosts of his dreams come around him. All the dreams that he said, the book that he was supposed to write comes around. Every dream that he, the, the, you know, everything, and they're surrounding him. And they're the ghost of his past, and they're looking at him. And, a, and as he's dying, they, they, they've got these angry eyes because they're looking at him. And as he's dying, they look at him, and, 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 and the dreams just look at him, and they go, only you could give us life. Now we must die with you. Don't let the dreams that God has put on your heart die with a lack of faith. Who's the next person that's going to be an evangelist in the London National Christian Church? Who's the next women's ministry leader? Who's the next? Who's going to write the book? Who's going to start a company that hires Christians only? Who's going to resurrect some dreams because of Jesus Christ? I want to I challenge you to resurrect dreams today, guys. Yeah. They're dreaming in Los Angeles. They're dreaming all around the world. You know, uh, our, our, our church in Los Angeles is, is done incredible. Uh, they, they, have, they have had uh, an incredible amount of additions, people that have joined and, and joined the church. Uh, I mean, there's so many miracles, so many dreams. Uh, I'm so inspired by the church in Orlando, uh, a young woman who's blind who's shared with, they invite her to come to church. She goes, no, I believe in the Quran. I don't want to come to church. And, of course, she's blind. So, 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 you know, the, the person who shared with her, they weren't. So they lost contact. This blind woman accidentally bumps into another Christian, comes to church, starts reading the Bible, gets baptized. That's not the glory of the story. The individual that she bumped into was blind as well. That's God. That is God, guys. That's God. I remember Sarah, Sarah Travis at the time, Sarah Demetri, she studied the Bible with Kia Pope. She's in our church there in San Francisco. They've had 11 editions just last week. They're doing, they're doing the work of the Lord. They're dreaming over there. Anthony and Cassidy, they're going to be moving over here to help with the campus work right here. Cassidy led her first Women's Day, and we got the Women's Day coming on up here in the church, amen? We got to get the women dreaming. And uh, I'm encouraged about our church in Russia. Our church in Russia just planted this year. They, they, they've had, Since they're planting, they've had 28 additions, guys. 28 additions. When I think about great movements, I think about people that died before they saw their dreams come true. You know, what what inspires me about Martin Luther King and the Civil Rights Movement isn't just that his name was Michael King, amen, and he changed it to Martin, amen. But what inspires me is that they were a movement set out to change the world. And I get scared. I go, what if we wouldn't have had the Civil Rights Movement? Well, Well, that's just civil rights. What if we wouldn't have God's sold out movement that's willing to go anywhere? do anything for the gospel. In closing, Jesus came to earth to show us how we should live, how to put others first, how to love, and how to give. He set about his work that God sent him to do. He took up our punishment upon himself. He made us clean. He made us new. He could have saved himself, calling angels from above. But he chose to pay the price of our sin. He paid it with all of his love. Our Lord died on Good Friday, but the cross did not destroy. His resurrection, this gospel morning, that fills our hearts with joy. Now we know our earthly death, like his, is just a rest. Will be before him in heaven, where life is truly the best. Resurrect your relationship with God. I love you with all my heart. To God be all the glory. We would like to thank you for listening to that episode of the podcast. If you would like video versions of these episodes, whether it's sermon highlights or interviews, feel free to check us out on our website or view them on our YouTube channel. That's londonchurch.org.uk That's L-O-N-D-O-N-C-H-U-R-C-H.org.uk And for all other updates and information, whether it's services, events or devotionals, you can find all that on our website also. Once again, we'd like to thank you for listening and we'll catch you on the next one.